on today's episode. There was a knock on the door. Hachasi! Hachasi! It is your mother. Open the door. And all of his neighbors were like, man, Dave, are you crazy? Why are you planting sunflowers? There's no money in that. And Dave told him, because I can't paint like Van Gogh. All kinds of tales. From all kinds of tellers. Here on The Appleseed. It's time for The Appleseed. In each episode of the show, we bring you a couple of stories from favorite storytellers. And the stories will entertain you, they'll inspire you, they'll get you thinking, and they'll even help your family tell your own stories. I'm Sam Payne, your host. And our first story is from Kenyan Scottish storyteller Mara Menzies, drawn from the rich mythos of the Orisha. This is an origin story, if you will, about how one man became a god through giving a truly beautiful and simple gift, but of course still needed to learn wisdom along the way. If you've ever wondered what gift you have to offer, then this is a story for you. If you've ever been rewarded in an extraordinary way, then this is a story for you. If you've ever gotten exactly what you asked for and realized maybe you shouldn't have wanted it in the first place, then this is a story for you. Here's Mara Menzies with the story Ochosi, the Orisha of the Hunt, recorded live in the Appleseed Studio. So I'm going to tell a story uh, that I heard in Cuba. However, this story has a little bit of a story about the story. And sometimes the journey of a story can be as interesting as the story itself. And it is the story of an Orisha. Now, is anyone here familiar with the Orisha? Yeah? Oh, just not many, not many. So just to give you a bit of context, the Orisha are deities. And they originated from Western Nigeria, from the Yoruba people. And it's a faith system called Ifa. And to make it as simple as possible, it's it's a bit like the Greek gods, where you have the creator at the top, and then you have the god of war, the god of the ocean, uh, various Orisha. There are hundreds, about 400 different Orisha. And during the transatlantic slave trade, when people were carried across to the new world, they carried their stories with them. But when they reached, they were not allowed to practice Ifa, so they hid the Orisha behind the Catholic saints. So when they were praying to the Virgin Mary, in reality, they were praying to Yemeya, who was the mother of the ocean when they were praying to St. Cuthbert. In reality, they were praying to somebody else. So Santeria in Cuba, which is the story where, where I heard this story, is a syncretic faith, which is this crazy fusion of Catholicism and Ifa. And so a lot of the stories that are told are these ancient stories from a couple of hundred years ago. So this is one of the stories. And it's the story of a hunter. And his name was Ochosi. What was his name? And Ochosi, they say, was one of the finest hunters that had ever, ever lived. He lived right in the center of a magnificent, a beautiful forest. And he loved and respected every single thing in it. Even the trees, when he passed, it seemed that as if they would bow towards him and say, Ochosi, he loved his life in the forest. Whenever he took his trap and his snare, and he placed them down, he knew that when he returned a few hours later, he would find his intended prey captured within. That is how good a hunter he was. And whenever he took his bow and arrow, he knew that he would always hit the mark. Now, Ochosi was a man with a dream. 
And the thing that he wanted more than anything else in the world was to become one of the Orisha. So every morning, the first thing he did was he would throw himself to the ground and he would pray, please, let me join Elegba. Let me join Yemeya in your service. Send me a sign. But of course, no sign ever came. And so Ochosi, he had to content himself doing the things that needed to be done. So he would hunt, he would pray, and sometimes he would visit his mother who lived on the other side of the forest. Now one day, Ochosi was feeling a little bit peckish. And he thought, hmm, I fancy some nice game meat. And so he took his bow and his arrow, he marched into the forest, and a few hours later, he was back at his house and he was roasting a nice tender young antelope on an open fire. Now, we know that smell. I know we know that smell. And oh, as it wafted through the forest, through the branches, it just so happened that one of the Orisha was walking through the trees. It was Elegba, a trickster Orisha the Orisha of the crossroads, the one who is master of destiny, bringer of chaos, always must be respected. Otherwise, he will mess around with your life. And Elegba is one of those naughty Orishas, the one who likes the naughty things in life. So too much wine, too much fine food, maybe a few too many parties. And as he was walking through the trees, this wonderful aroma filled his nostrils and he thought, Oh, that smells good. And so he followed his nose and he soon arrived at Ochosi's house. And when Ochosi saw him, welcome, welcome, please take a seat. Oh, let me wash your hands. Let me wash your feet. Anything that is mine is yours. Please stay and eat with me. And so Elegba did. They sat and they talked and they drank and they told stories and they laughed and they had the best possible time. When it was time to go, Elegba stood up and then he turned to Ochosi and he said, Ochosi, I have a problem. You see, there is a party taking place in Orun, the home of the Orisha, in three days' time. Now, when Ochosi heard this, his mind began to imagine all the wonderful things that might be up in Orun. But he knew that as a mere mortal, he would never be able to go. So he listened to Elegba's story. And Elegba said, when I go to this party, I want to take a gift for the creator. But I want something that has never been gifted before. I want something magnificent, something beautiful, something exquisite but I have no idea what to take. Perhaps you can help. Now, Ochosi knew that this was his moment. If he could please the Orisha, then anything could happen. Maybe even his dream could come true. So he thought, he racked his brain, what could I propose? And he had it. In the middle of the forest, he had once seen a bird. And this bird was the most beautiful creature he had ever laid eyes on. Its feathers were every shade of the rainbow. It sparkled, it shimmered, it glittered. And when it opened its little beak, oh, the sound was sweeter than honey. Now that bird would be an absolutely perfect gift for the great creator. And when Elegba heard about this bird, he thought, hmm, that sounds good. 
Yes, have that bird. I will be back in three days' time and it must be ready. Off he went. And Ochosi, he went to sleep that night. Ah, filled with contentment, dreaming of the impending glory. And first thing the following morning, he picked up his traps and ah, off he went into the forest. He placed the traps down. He went home and he waited, again thinking of all the wonderful things coming his way. And after a few hours, he went back out into the forest and he looked at the traps and uh, they were empty. Empty, empty. Every single one was empty. This had never happened to him before. And for the first time in his life, he was filled with a tiny seed of doubt. But... He picked up the traps and he went further into the forest. He placed the traps down and he returned home. But this time, he was pacing up and down rather anxiously. And after a few hours, he went back out into the forest. He looked at the traps. Empty, empty, empty. Every single one was empty. Now, he was in panic mode. If he failed to find that bird... Who was going to respect him? He could imagine the Orisha laughing at him. Ha <laughs> ha, look, there is Ochosi, oh, the hunter, the one who could not hunt. <laughs> he couldn't bear the thought of it. He picked up his traps and he went to the furthest reaches of the forest. He placed the traps down and he prayed, Please, this bird is for you. I need this more than ever. Please, I ask for your help. And then he went home. And after a few hours, he returned and empty, empty. <gasps> but in the last trap, he saw something. It was moving. It was sparkling and shimmering. Oh, he opened it and oh, there was the bird. It was more beautiful than he had remembered. It had purple and pink and green and yellow and turquoise and all the colors of the rainbow. It was beautiful. And then it opened its little beak and... Oh, he could hardly take it. It was so magical. And he took that bird. He placed it in his bag. He went back to his house. And there was a tiny little cage on a shelf. So he gently took out that bird and he placed it into the shelf, into the cage, and he locked the door. Now, this bird had to be in perfect condition, worthy of the creator. So he wanted to give it some grain. But when he looked around his house... There was no grain anywhere, so he left to find some. And when he was gone, there was a knock on the door. Ochasi! Ochasi! It is your mother! Open the door! But of course, he was out, and so she was a bit annoyed, but she let herself in. And rah, rah, young people today, they're never home, they have no time for their parents, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> And she sat in the seat and she looked around and suddenly she saw all the trophies of the hunt and she was filled with this motherly pride. Oh, he's a bit of a messy young man, but look at what he has achieved. My son, Ochosi, the finest hunter in the entire world. Oh, I want to make him happy. I want to make sure that he also is, is just feeling as good as I am right now. 
And of course, as we all know, the quickest way to make somebody happy is to prepare a nice, delicious, tasty meal. Unless that's just me. <laughs> Does that work for you guys as well? Yeah. <laughs> so she thought, right, I need to make something delicious. Hmm, I could make some nice jollof rice. I could make some nice egusi with some pumpkin seeds. I could make some nice... <gasps> she heard a sound. And when she turned, she saw that bird and she thought... <gasps> That bird is so beautiful. It must have such juicy, tender, tasty meat. This is it. So she opened the cage. She took out the bird. She plucked some of the feathers. She's in a hunter's house. All the knives are sharp. And she took one and pop. She started to prepare a delicious feast for her son. Pop, pop, pop. She tidied everything away. She put the meat in a pot. She now looked for some seasoning because no mother is ever going to serve bland and tasteless food. But when she looked around, she could not find the seasoning. No salt, no pepper, no spices. Could you live in a house like that? No, no of course not. And she said, huh, I am going to go back to my house and return with my special spices and prepare a meal fit for royalty. And off she went. Now, not long after, who came home? Oh, Chossie. And the first thing he saw was that the cage was empty, the bird was gone. <gasps> no, somebody has stolen my bird. What am I going to do? He knew that Elegba would soon be arriving in the morning. And he took his traps and he raced back out to the furthest reaches of the forest. He placed the traps down. He hid himself behind a tree and said... I need a miracle, please. That is the only thing that will help me now. And a miracle he did receive because flying through the branches of the trees was the mate of the first bird and bah, it landed on his shoulder. And it was just as beautiful and its voice was just as sweet. And he took it home, he placed it in the cage, he locked the door and he did not take his eyes off it. The little bird was busy pecking the grain when Elegba arrived a few hours later. And when he saw the bird, he couldn't believe it. Oh, Josie, this is a magnificent bird. Oh, I cannot take credit for this alone. I want you to come to Orun with me. <gasps> me? Orun? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, he oiled his skin until he shone like the stars. He prepared and combed out his hair. He wore his finest robes. And when he was ready, the two of them, they climbed that ladder of light that led to Orun. And my goodness, it was more beautiful than he had ever dreamt, than he had ever imagined. The colors were so rich and vibrant. The Orishas appeared to be floating in their glistening robes. He heard music that he had never experienced before, and it was delightful to the ear. The aroma of the food, my, oh, he was just about floating himself. And then the giving of the gifts began. And Olodumare, the great creator, he took every gift, he gave thanks, and he placed it to one side. 
And when he saw the bird, he summoned silence. Who has gifted me this bird? And Elikba stepped forward and said, The gift is from me, but it is this man Ochosi who helped me find it. And Ochosi was summoned before the Creator. Now, I want you to imagine yourself in that position. He had no idea what to do, what to think, how to feel. He wondered, should I, should I walk strong and tall or, or should I grovel on the ground? Should I, do I look the Creator in the eye or, or do I hold my gaze to the ground? He didn't know what to do, but somehow he found his way before the Creator and Olodumare looked at him up and down and spoke and said, I know who you are. I have seen you in your forest and I know how much you love and respect it. I am pleased with this gift that you have chosen for me and so I am going to grant your request. From this moment on, you will be known as Ochosi, the Orisha of the hunt. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. Oh, you have never met a happier man. He leapt up into the air. He was so light, so filled with joy. He raced around. He embraced the other Orisha. He was so filled with delight. And then Olodumare summoned him back and said, Ochosi, now that you are one of us, I want to give you a gift. Anything that your heart desires. Um... Um, he had no idea what to ask for. The only thing that he had ever wanted was his. He now had it. He thought, is there anything else that I need, that I want? But no, there was nothing that came to mind. And then he began to think of how much he had wanted this, how much he had craved it, how much he had longed for it, desired it. And then he remembered how close he had come to having none of it at all. Somebody had stolen his bird. And if by some miracle the other one had not flown through the branches and landed on his shoulder, then he would still be Ochosi, the hunter in the middle of the forest. So he knew what he wanted. He took out his bow and his arrow and he said, I want this arrow to pierce the heart of the person who stole my bird. But Olodumare knows everything and he said, I ask that you reconsider your request. But by now, Ochosi was all fired up. Hmm, that is what I want. When I release this arrow, I want it to pierce the heart of the person who stole my bird and Olodumare granted his request. And the arrow, it flew through the skies and the clouds and the trees and straight into the heart of Ochosi's mother. And as she fell to the ground, her cries carried upwards to Orun and he recognized her voice. <gasps> No, 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 this is not what I want. No, please, I, I, I've changed my mind. I don't want this at all. I don't want any of this. I, I just want things to be as they are. Please, I beg you, I beg you. But Olodumare does not turn back time. And so Ochosi, he fell to the ground and tears were streaming down his face. And after a while, Olodumare raised him and said, Ochosi, you have learned a painful lesson today. You have seen that you must never judge one action on one truth alone. You must look at all the truths surrounding every action. So because of this, 
you will not only be the Orisha of the hunt, you will also be the Orisha of justice. And so to this day, for those in the new world who still speak to the Orisha, whenever they're caught in that moment when you genuinely don't know if something is right or wrong, they pray to the Orisha Ochosi for guidance in helping them make the right decision. Mara Menzies with Ochosi, the Orisha of the Hunt, a story recorded live in the Appleseed studio before our terrific studio audience about how recognizing what you have to offer is a way of becoming a better version of yourself. When Ochosi unwittingly chooses who will be killed in that story, I was surprised at how tough it was on me. I found myself crying out inside, no, not that. You don't know what tragedy that's going to bring. A good story can fill you with that sense of urgency, right? But with all the magic in the story, there's no magic that undoes that tragedy. It happens. The only consolation we have in the story is that with the tragedy comes wisdom. I think I make the mistake sometimes of thinking that if I live in the way that I should, I can keep bad things from happening to me and the people I love. But you know what? Bad things still happen. Those efforts to live in the way I feel I should, though, aren't ever wasted. It's in those efforts that after hard things happen to me with some thought and in my case some prayer and after some healing, I find whatever wisdom will get me through the next part and make me useful to other people who are hurting. A little bit like Ochosi. I guess. Though no one has made me Orisha of anything, and I'm okay with that. I bet some stories sprang to mind for you from your own life or the life of someone you know as you listened to Mara's story. Stories have this wonderful way of sprouting and growing as the stories bring up thoughts that grow into conversations. In that way, they're like seeds. Maybe that's why we call the show The Apple Seed. Coming up, Kevin Kling with a performance about the constellations that we can make together. I'm Sam Payne. It's such a pleasure to be with you on The Apple Seed. A moment ago, we heard Ochosi, the Orisha of the Hunt, by Mara Menzies, about how a newly formed deity learned wisdom. We have another performance for you about bringing our light together to create something greater than we are alone. This is just a tiny little story, an anecdote really, about recognizing what you have to share with others, your beautiful and simple gift. It's a story that came to mind as we thought about Ochosi in the story from Mara. Here's Sunflowers by Kevin Kling. I wanna, I'd like to close this set with a really quick story. It's about our, a, a guy I know named Dave, and he lives in southern Minnesota. He's a farmer, and he said when kids fall asleep, he'd say when he was a kid, they'd hold a blanket or a teddy bear, but when he was a kid, he couldn't sleep unless he was clutching an ear of corn. <laughs> he, said that, he said, I was going to be a farmer my whole life, and I knew it. So he grew up, and he took over his family farm, but I don't know if that's happening here, but in Minnesota, a lot of the family farms are going under. The guys just can't afford their farms anymore, and that happened to my buddy Dave. And he had to sell off acre after acre after acre until finally he was down to just a small patch of land by his house. And he had to get a job in town so that he could afford his farm. 
And he, he calls his farm now his art. And he wrote tractor on his tractor and barn on his barn. So this is his art now, is his farm. And I remember one year, he dug up all of his crops, which is just a couple of acres, and he planted sunflowers. And all of his neighbors were like, man, Dave, are you crazy? Why are you planting sunflowers? There's no money in that. And Dave told him, because I can't paint like Van Gogh. Man, I said, Dave, what did you like about sunflowers? Why did you plant sunflowers? And Dave goes, oh, he says, I love sunflowers. Because he said, they follow the sun. I don't know if you know this about sunflowers, but when the sun goes across the sky during the day, the sunflowers' heads follow the sun. And, I said, and he says, sometimes I'll just stand in the field and our heads all follow the sun across the sky. And I go, Dave, what do you do when it's cloudy? What do you do when there's no sun out? Oh, he goes, that's even better. He said, because that's when the sunflowers turn and face each other. And I thought of those sunflowers facing each other and what we've been through with COVID, what we've been through being apart and now being together right now, having the ability to gather again and how important that is to gather. Because when we gather, I bring who I am to who you are, this herd, this flock, this constellation, each star, another bit of light in the darkness, each voice, another instrument in the silence. Thank you. That was Kevin Kling with a performance of Sunflowers. Thanks for joining us today on The Appleseed. And thanks to Mara Menzies and Kevin Kling for sharing their stories. Listening to these stories always brings up memories for me that I love to share. Where did the stories take you? And who will you take along? Our episode today was produced by Brian Tanner and Heather Bigley. Our audio engineers are Carly Wilson and Ashton Parkinson. Trent Horton and Evie Hendricks make up the rest of the Appleseed team. If you want to send us a note, you can email us at theappleseed at byu.edu. That's theappleseed, all one word, at byu.edu. Or if you're listening through a podcast app, rate us. Leave us a little review. It helps people find the show. We're pleased and proud to be among the many shows in the BYU Radio family of programs. And you can find this episode or any episode from our archive on the BYU Radio app at byuradio.org slash Appleseed or by Googling the Appleseed podcast. I'm Sam Payne, and I can't wait to be with you again on the Appleseed. <laughs>